Yes, indeed. Hey, welcome to the war and welcome to 2018. I can't believe it. We're still here, honey. What's this? I thought we were going to be taken off in 2015. What's well, going on here? We're, we're here. Oh, got a purpose and the war here. continues as we have just already experienced yes, in this yes. second well, day of January. Pray. Father, yeah. I thank you that you, this is the day that you've made and that I thank you for each one that uh, is hearing this this message today. I pray that Give us ears to hear. Uh, give us wisdom to, to share, communicate what you've called us to share here today. And I pray that the, those that are listening, mm-hmm. uh, we bless them. We pray that they will hear and apply uh, by your grace the things that we share about here today. Yes. And we thank you, Father, for this time. Thank you for the binding of the enemy and the loosing of the Spirit of God mm-hmm. upon us and upon this day and upon uh, the message that we bring here, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Yes, and, and we agree, Father God, that your will be done, your kingdom come. And we bind the prince of the air who is trying to trouble us, and we thank you, Father, for the breakthroughs that you've promised for this year, Father, in Jesus' name. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and may we speak as the oracles of God. So we're talking about the untimely, unlikely strategies for success well, yeah, uh, everybody does that in the the new year, don't they? They kind of look for ways to bolster their life and refocus and oh, kinda, redirect. Yeah, kinda. at the end of the year, kind of reevaluate. You know, okay, where have we been in our life? Yes, you know, things. What do that, I want to change? Things we don't like. Things that we need to change. I think that's a big word with people is change. They want to. You know, people are always thinking it's up to us to make some changes. We need to take that responsibility. And I know that. You know, that word change is a big, powerful word that provokes and uh, guilts a lot of people. But really, in this walk with God, the changes are orchestrated by the Holy Spirit. But let's look at some of the strategies for success. What is, anyway, the definition of the word? Well, success, according to the dictionary definition, is a favorable or satisfactory outcome or result. Mm-hmm. In other words, I mean, something that, you know, you want to you see. Went, you went through a process. Yeah. It's a goal that was achieved. But, uh, Proverbs uh, 13, uh, 19 says, a desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. So it's like the achievement of something. We've set a goal. We've done something. And we think, yes, we did it right. We did it good. Mm-hmm. It happened the way we were hoping it was going to happen mm-hmm. or maybe even beyond uh, what we uh, hoped would happen. But the thing is, when you do that, we're setting a goal. We're setting our goals. We're mapping out our own life and demanding and dis- determining what those changes will be and, and the program, the goal, the plan to access or access that, that success. Um, it's like it's done from our own sense, our own mind, our own sense of perspective. And so is this success that we're looking for um, dependent on who's from whose perspective, ours or God's or others. Who are we trying to impress? Who are we trying to prove something to here? That becomes kind of one of the questions I think we need to yeah, answer. What, what, what's the motivation? Why do we want this? And, and then we have to look at, okay, why do we want this? Why do we want to achieve this or have this in our life? How will we get there? And how will we know when we, got when, there. when we get there. Yeah. Uh, and uh, one guy, there's an old saying that uh, a guy said supposedly years ago. He says, I climbed to the top of the ladder of success. Then I realized that the ladder was propped <laughs> up against the wrong wall. There you go. And, there you and, go. And then uh, success. So success in the eyes of men doesn't look like the same thing as success in the eyes of God. Let's just make that kind of clear right now. And, you know, you have to question yourself, who's Whose life are you living, your life or the life you surrender to God, which Jesus Christ is living through you? And, and you know, for a Christian, um, this rat race out there of trying to make some money or, or be wealthy, rich, famous, and have, you know, your full fare of everything uh, isn't as, to me, isn't as important as to see the justice of God, the, the truth of God, the revelation of Jesus Christ, uh, the king, thy kingdom come, the kingdom of God to come. And I believe these are the goals uh, that mark success. However, the people who followed that pa- that plan did not look 
at all points in their life is very successful. But look at a successful man. You were talking uh, to me earlier about this guy named Solomon. Yeah, he, he had it made. He had everything well, if, we would call success. if there was ever a guy yeah. that would, had it made by worldly standards, it was him, Solomon. And he says in Ecclesiastes chapter three, uh, 2, verse 3, he says, uh, I searched in my heart how to gratify my flesh with wine while guiding my heart with wisdom, how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the sons of men to do under heaven all the days of their lives. So he was involved with drinking, partying, stuff like this, just to see if this Where was, it would lead him, huh? Where, it would where lead folly him. would yeah. lead him, yeah. yeah. He said, I, and then verse 4, he says, I made my works great. I built myself houses. Workaholic. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, planted myself vineyards. So he was a great entrepreneur. Yeah. Uh, he says, I made myself gardens and orchards. I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. He was into agriculture, horticulture. He said, I made water pools from which to water the growing Engineering. trees. Engineering. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's an engineer. He, he said, I acquired male and female servants. I had servants born in my house. So he had all these people working for him. He had this huge uh, list of employees, people that he oversaw. Um, Yes, he says, I had greater possessions of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. So all this livestock. And then he's, verse 8, I also gathered for myself silver and gold and special treasures Mm -hmm. of kings of the provinces. So he he was an, an investor. He... Mm-hmm. He he accumulated a huge amount of, of, of I wealth. I think it, his wisdom got him wealth because he knew how to strategize and how to be oh. shrewd and, and well, how to vision and envision and see ahead. And so this man was, it was his wisdom uh, that got him all this well, wealth and uh, Right, because he, got, he asked. He did not ask for wealth. God gave him a blank check and said, what would you want? Just ask me. Mm-hmm. And he said, I, I want wisdom to, to lead the, the people of Israel. And God says, I'm going to give you wisdom. I will grant you wisdom. And he says, and because you did not ask for riches for yourself, I will give you these riches. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so he had wisdom, and he had this wealth allowed by God. He, had, he was into music. He says, I acquired male and female singers the delights of the sons of men and musical instruments of all kinds. So he would have entertainment. He'd had a whole bunch of entertainment. He would mm-hmm. have a bunch of uh, Grammy award-winning uh, uh, bands that were at his disposal. He said, I became great and excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. And also my wisdom remained with me. And here's the deal. Whatever, verse 10, <laughs> whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. He says, I got everything, everything I, I wanted. wanted. Yep. Mm-hmm. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure. He, he, so, and he did not have to use Visa or MasterCard. Yeah. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my reward from all my labor. In other mm-hmm. words, this is, this is like success, right, in a worldly sense. Yeah. And then he, he looks at this whole thing. He takes a, a, an evaluation. He says in verse 11, Then I looked on all the works that my hands had done, and on the labor in which I had toiled, and indeed all was vanity and grasping for the wind. There was no profit under the sun. He said, I, I looked at all this, and it, it was just all this in itself, he says, is, is, is just empty. A waste. It, it's, it's empty. It's a waste. It's vanity. It's, in a sense, it's meaningless. Grasping for the wind. How do you grasp the wind? You can't catch your wind in your in your hand. He mm-hmm. says, this is, is, it was an elusive thing, yeah. but he, the thing is, here's, here's the guy, we need to pay attention because he had wisdom. He checked all this stuff out and he came to a very wise conclusion that just this accumulation of wealth mm-hmm. and pleasure and power and influence, just that in itself is very, very empty. And that was the wisdom that God wanted him to see was that when you have all of this, the accumulation of everything your heart could desire and the, the financial, physical, mental, emotional support, uh, the, pl- the praise of men, and, and all of it, if it's just accumulated unto yourself, is vanity. And, and, the, and the Bible really, I mean, there's, there's two different paradigms. There's God's and the enemy. The, the, Lord's, the enemy says, in the world, in the snake pit, we're told that um, 
you know, if you want to, if you want to be successful, you've got to do something. You've got to do something so you can have something. You've got to go to school, you know, apply yourself, uh, take responsibility, uh, you know, be diligent so you can uh, have something, so you can have money, a better job, uh, promotions, and so that you can uh, buy something, so that you can then be something, so you can buy money, I buy houses and lands and, and cars and diamond rings and so that you will be successful but that's not what the kingdom of god says jesus says it's just the opposite he says he says it's out of being and abiding comes the doing it's out of being and abiding in him comes the fruits of righteousness peace and joy the fruits that will remain we're looking for things that will eternally remain not things that will be um moth eaten and and corroded with rust and 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 drift away there, there's that remember that rich man in uh in jesus talked about in uh luke chapter 12 yeah, yeah, yeah he, he said he was he was very wealthy god had blessed his crops he had a great crop year yeah here it is he says the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully and he thought within himself saying what shall i do since i have no room for to store up my crops and so he said i will do this I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this night your soul will be required of you. And then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. I, I really believe that is a, that what Jesus was saying that very those were his words he was saying you can you can be successful you can be a, a, a entrepreneur you can be well planned out you can even think ahead i'm going to build barns and so then i can take my ease i can relax i can retire i can you know live the rest of my life in some sort of uh, exclusive place of luxury and and protection and and indulgence and Jesus said, that's not the point of life. The point of life is not to be able to get to the place where you can retire early and, you know, consume unto yourself. He said, you have to be rich towards God. And, th- and there's other verses actually follows right through there. Jesus begins to say then, as he's talking to the people, to talk, consider about the ravens, consider the uh, the beauty of, uh, they neither reap nor sow, and, and, and the, the, the lilies, they neither toil nor spin, their clothing, their provision. He says, um... Uh, are you not worth more than they? And he says in um, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Um, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So what he's really talking about here is the element of rest and trust and reliance upon the Lord. This doesn't give us permission to be irresponsible, to be... Um, lackadaisical or to just be in, feel entitled, but it really puts our focus back on the kingdom of heaven. He says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And this this uh, rich fool, he was not stupid. No. He was, he was not, not stupid. He was as, probably very astute in business. He knew how to, you know, grow make crops. Make things happen. And, and yeah. Make things happen. He, yeah. he was he was successful yes. by worldly standards. And yet you you think about the, the unsuccessful looking people who don't have houses and lands, don't they're homeless. They don't have, you know, any advantages. They don't have any bank account. They don't have any money. They don't have any hope. And you, we consider them to be unsuccessful. And yet that is exactly what a lot of the people who followed God in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, the hall of faith, the world was not worthy of these people because they had really, you know, it says he who seeks to save his life will lose it. He who loses it for my sake will keep it. And so the, there's a whole different. I mean, if you're going to follow God, you, we've got to lay down, set aside some of the worldly notions and follow God as he leads us. Well, there's there's a contradiction. We are in the world, Jesus said to his disciples. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. So there's values that the world has, achieve, you know, uh, you can do it, um, work hard. Yeah. And, and there's nothing wrong with hard work, nothing wrong. We're no, not actually, against, that's we're, we're, not we're required to be faithful, actually. Yeah, right. We're not against diligence or wealth or anything like that. But what Jesus said about the rich fool, that he laid up treasure for himself and he for was himself. not rich toward God. Himself, yeah. So he, he was not living, 
He was living for this present life. Yeah. He wasn't thinking of eternity and the accountability. And that's what that Jesus he said. He says, guy, he says, you didn't think about what's going to happen. You, you thought you're going to have another 20 years to build these barns and carry on. He says, this night, what if tomorrow is the day of your death? Yeah. What if tomorrow is the day of, of where we meet, you meet, I meet, we come before God and we're called before that throne of judgment uh, to determine not whether we're going to get into heaven or not, but our faithfulness and the rewards. So what does God say to his church, to you individually, because you have a precious life? A lot of people don't realize their first treasure is their life. Their life. That they are actually a human being that is made by God in the image of God, and that life becomes your investment. Your time is not to be squandered or wasted or killed killing time and wasting it is to be it's it's time is is your is like money it's like you invest your time in the purposes of the kingdom of god and seek ye first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and the other things the 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 lesser things the the food and drink and shelter will be added to us because god is he says it is the the father father knows he says um what we have need of it and it's his desire to give it to us uh the father says, do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Well, the kingdom of God is on earth, but and it's so much more than what this kingdom, of, Satan's kingdom or what Satan's. Remember when he was tempting Jesus, he, he promised him the world. And Jesus said, it's not it's not worth it. You mm-hmm. know, I got something way better than that. I can't I'm not going to settle. And so when we're looking at this idea of success and change and striving, let us look at it in the context of God's word and what God says. Well, in Proverbs nineteen twenty one, it says that there are many plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that shall stand. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we don't want to be, you know, have our plans, our five-year plan or yeah. our <laughs> resolutions, yeah. whatever, be in contrary uh, order to what God has for us. Yeah. So it, it's, it's, it's a it's, matter of uh, aligning ourselves with the values of the kingdom, which are so different, so in, in fact contrary to much of what the world system right. tells well, us not, indeed, we com- need to be doing, contrary. we need to be having. Yes, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, um, he, in verse 9, he's talking about, Paul's talking about, um, you know, not losing heart, pursuing the kingdom of God. Um, he says, therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet inwardly, uh, the inward man is being renewed day by day for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Um, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And then he goes on in, in the next chapter, 5, 9, he says, Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, he's talking, whether I'm here or there, to be well-pleasing to God, that for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And that's what I was referring to. There's a point in time where we must, you know, where it's all going to be added up. Uh, and wood, hay, and stubble is in the midst. If we have a accumulation of our works that just turn up to be wood, hay, and stubble, the fire of God will destroy those things, but it's gold, uh, precious stones, and uh, truth and love that will uh, withstand the fire of God's scrutiny. And so, again, success is what, what do you want? Where do you want to be successful in this world or in the next? And that doesn't preclude, the one doesn't preclude the other. A lot of very, um, you know, godly people have been well blessed because the Bible says your diligence will make you rich. Being faithful, um, you know, just in the in common sense and and being, uh, you know, just in your dealings with your fellow men, uh, and being persistent, um, using your time to please the Lord will bring a measure of security and success to most, as God would so deem it His desire, but. Where do we want to be successful, here or in the kingdom to come? Well, it, you read in, in Genesis about Enoch, uh, in chapter 5, mm-hmm. it said Enoch walked with God, you know, and God took him, okay? He, he walked with God. He was in alignment 
with God. And another place in Scripture says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? He was in agreement. He was in line, in alignment in his mm-hmm. life with the Lord. And, and it's interesting how uh, in Hebrews 11.5, you referred to Hebrews, Marjorie, a little bit ago, uh, by faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For he, before, his, before he was taken, he had this testimony that he, he pleased, pleased God. God. Yeah, Enoch he, had quite an interesting life. We won't go into it now, but you know, the, the pleasing of God. He really um, had deep, holy, powerful, profound revelations of God. And mm-hmm. he shared those revelations. He was like a, an almost a, a, a mediator of some sort between heaven and earth at that time mm-hmm. to bring forth the counsel of God to the men and women of earth. Um, and this was prior to the flood, of course, but he was continuing to hold to the, the revelations that were get, given to Adam and Eve that were kind of lost. And, and so his whole uh, life's work was simply to communicate the, the counsel of heaven, the will of God to the people. And that was that caused him to be great in the eyes of God and caught up to be with him. Yeah. You know, one of the great questions that the human race deals with is, how do I please God or my idea of who God is? Yeah, and okay? most, well, can I say something? This how is do why I please God? Religions. That, yes, that breeds, that question breeds a ton of fear. People are, if their concept of God is that he's mean and negative and unhappy and, you know, ready to smack us and kill us and blah, blah, blah. And, and a lot of the early pagan uh, ideas of God were that they, they had to placate him. They had to offer sacrifices. Human they had sacrifices. To, yep. And so the fear mo- motivated them to please God through um, sacrifices, including, you know, like you said, their own children. But this is not the fear of the Lord that God promotes. This is not the success that God is, God is looking for truth. Truth brings freedom. Freedom brings uh, of the freedom to become and, and be successful, but it comes through obedience and it actually comes through surrender. And as we're looking in Joshua, this man had a lot of military success. He was um, the second in command and it followed in Moses's steps. And when God took Moses, God said to Moses, basically, you're done. And he said to Joshua, you're in. So Joshua 1, he says, um, after the death of Moses, he says, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over the Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving them, the children of Israel. Every place where the sole of your foot will tread upon, I will give to you, as I said to Moses. And then he gives, he describes the wilderness, the areas, the Euphrates. But this happened to be the land of the Hittites, the giants, uh, the truly, the Nephilim, the leftover Nephilim were still hanging out in this promised land. Of all places, God wants to send his little people who have no weapons, who have no tanks, no uh, iron weapons, nothing really, uh, sends them in there to fight giants. Okay. And Joshua, that's going to be your job. And you will, and he says in verse six, be strong and of good courage for to this people, you shall divide an inheritance, the land, which I swore to their fathers to give them. So the goal, the success in this case was to get to the place where you could divide the inheritance, take this land back, which had been given to Abraham 400 years before that, take back your land legally, lawfully through battle, through conquest, take it back and then we're going to divide it up among the, the brothers. Um, so it's only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. So the prosperity that Joshua was promised was coming through his s- strict obedience. Don't turn to the right to the left. Stay right on course because in that obedience, he had protection. When, if he would have stepped out of the will of God, which we see a little bit in AI where Joshua didn't, but one of the guys did, you see the crushing of this uh, big military uh, group of people by these little bunch of AIans or whatever they were. <laughs> and, and, and so you see, but, but they had disobeyed. And so when, the, we don't understand, but the, the way to success is through obedience, absolute obedience to 
the word of God, the law of God, and the law of God now is the commandments to love one another and forgive. But but so we see, because why? Why is that so important? Why couldn't he just turn to the right off just a little bit? Because the enemy was looking for that. The minute mm-hmm. the devil sees you turn to the right or to the left or step out of the, the boundary a little bit, he is there, He's right there to accuse you before God and bring a demonic judgment upon you and put pressure on God, not that it really works, but put pressure on God to let him, Satan, test your faithfulness because he sees a flaw, a flicker of unfaithfulness, and in that he wants to bring judgment. But the thing is, God said to Joshua, don't be courageous. What does that mean? Be of good courage. For you this year in 2018, what does it mean to be courageous? What does it mean to look not to the right, not to the left, not to the prognosticators, not to the fake news, not to the negative news, not to the super positive whatever, whatever, but to look to the Lord and keep your eyes in the word of God. Many people are losing heart. They're losing their courage. They, they are not going to successfully in, uh, you know, get the inheritance or divide the inheritance because they have not been able to keep their eyes on Jesus, the author and fisher of faith. But that is also not even our job. That is the job of the Holy Spirit. But we have to follow him. We have to let Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit that works in us, give us that courage and keep us on the straight narrow pathway to his will and success. Well, God told Joshua in in chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, this book of the law shall not depart from your, what, mouth, not just from your ears, Mm -hmm. not just from your heart, not just from your mind, but from your mouth. Speak it out. Mm -hmm. But you shall meditate in it day and night. Now, meditate means to... Ponder, think about. Ponder and ponder out loud. Okay. So Mutter to yourself out loud about mu- the things of God. You're muttering it. You're, you're speaking it, not just hearing it, but speaking it. That you may observe to do all that is written in it, for then mm-hmm. you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have what? Good, good success. success. And he says it again. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor to be, be dismayed. This is this is the thing that this is that catches we, a lot of people. Are, we we are facing in our world with all the multiplications of evil on mm-hmm. every hand. Yeah, we can be fearful. We can be dismayed. In other words, we're just like dumbfounded. Taken down. Yeah, you know, it's like Paralyzed what do we do? It. Paralyzed. He mm-hmm. says, "Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go." Now think about that. To have this revelation, this comprehension of the Lord your God being with you wherever you go, and to be able to spend every day moments, many moments, minutes, hours, meditating on the Word of God and rehearsing it to yourself, building mm-hmm. yourself up in your most, most holy faith. Yes. Um, because a lot of people, they think, well, I, I, I honor God. I say grace once in a while before a meal, if I even sit down to have a meal. Um, they, they think, well, I went to church on Sunday. I'm, 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 I got God in my life. You know, that's not having God in your life possibly at all. I mean, I'm not saying that he's not there a little bit. You're not sort of aware of him. But how much of the time during the other 24 hours of the seven days of the week do you really put God first in your thoughts, seek his counsel, seek his wisdom, cry out to him for help and, de- and deliverance, uh, talk to him? Uh, I, I, if we don't do that, if we don't stay really tight, connected, um, in meditating on his word. If we don't get in his word, we can't meditate on it, obviously. But this is the only thing that's going to keep us in these days. I promise you that if you can, if you are not in the word of God uh, on a daily basis, and I'm not going to judge you or say, oh, you've got to read 14 chapters every day, blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. It's, you know, you could read one verse. You could read three words and meditate right. and feed on that all day long in that Bible, in the word of God. But the thing is, we need to, to be sustained we need to be sustained. Our eyes need to be kept on Jesus Christ because if you're going to look at what we're going to be seeing uh, between now and the time Jesus gets back, we're going to freak out. And that's like Joshua. He had the same freak out options. He could have said, well, you, you, we've heard about these giants. You know, we've got Jericho up ahead. You know, Jericho was built by the giants. Those walls were built by giants. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Another thing, yeah, and, and that and that culture there, that the, they were the giants. Now they built that city, but the city was given to the magic of and and the and the paganism and the and the calling on the powers of darkness 
to sustain their power. Another thing, too, with Joshua, he didn't have his great leader, Moses, to rely on anymore. Well, yeah. God says right He had away, to have his says, own faith, his right, own relationship Moses, with my God. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, no, basically Moses became what we call a mentor to Joshua, but it's like, okay, I can't lean on Moses anymore. Right. I have to lean on, I'm facing it's me and God. The, the fulfillment of entering into the promised land. Moses, the great spiritual giant, is gone. Mm-hmm. And and for a lot of us, sometimes we rely on people or a pastor or something that, that, and God takes it away. A great man of God. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, here, this is something I am calling you to do. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be, you can't rely on another person. Mm-hmm. You can't rely on what the scripture calls the arm of flesh, mm-hmm. some other person. But I'm calling you mm-hmm. to do this and uh, and you're going to move into it. And, but don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. I will be with you in yeah, this. Yeah, I will be with you. That was the, that's the key verse. That's the key com- concept that God is with us. Um, you know, and that is something we need to know for ourselves. We know God was with Moses. We know God was with, you know, uh, Aaron and, and Miriam. We know God was with them, but now Joshua needs to know God is with me. And, and, and I believe that we as a, a body of believers in the kingdom of God have been very, very, the Satan has done a lot of work to dumb us down, to freak us out and to diminish in us, the power, the unlimited power, the great power, the faithfulness of God to us. I believe that we have we have looked too much at what we wanted and didn't get, the prayers that didn't get answered, and we have so much evidence, Satan has given us so much evidence, that God is not there, God does not care. God does care, he's strong, but he doesn't do it for us. He's, he's in, in unreliable, undependable, and um, who knows what will happen. But we need to know that we know what we know and that God is with us and that we are in his will. And when we are in God's will, God supplies unlimited resources and power. And and uh, I think part of what we maybe for this being the unlikely strategies of success is to get rid of the old garbage, the, the, you know, get out, get rid of all those negative, deceptive uh, mindsets and belief systems, the doubt, the unbelief, and know for yourself, not know somebody else's faith. Paul says, be a follower of me as I am of Christ. But at the same time, Timothy had to grow up and Timothy had to take charge and, and be a soldier on his own, in his own right, not on his own or by himself, but in his own right. And so um, we're saying to this younger generation, you've got to take the, you've got to take up the sword. You've got to take up the word of God, which is the sword. That is the sword that we do battle with. It's the word of God. And we need to know that much of the battle is fought in the court of heaven. It's not, you know, a hand-to-hand combat down here. It's God delivering his people through foolish ways, through things that seem, uh, uh, insi- you know, God works in such common, ordinary, unexpected ways that we don't even see it as great. We don't even see it as great. We say, "Oh, that was just a coincidence. Oh, that was just uh, that was just a, fa- a stroke of good luck." That oh, that was. We don't see these little tiny things as God's big interve- intervening and interfering in what could have been our death and destruction. Yeah, sometimes you know, as as believers, some believers, you know, oh, we're looking for this great big smashing uh, laser light show kind of revival awakening that's going to sweep millions into the kingdom of God and. God is certainly capable of doing that, mm-hmm. but like like you're saying, Marjorie, a lot of times the daily, the daily things that God is doing. If we His mercies are new every morning. If mm-hmm. we just, I I just say a good thing to pray. I think in this new year, I said, Lord, open my eyes to see what You are doing, and and in in my daily life, in my workplace, in my home, in my family, and uh, also. Uh, say, Lord, open my eyes to see the opportunities that I have. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we think, well, you know, I'm just going to work every day, or uh, you know, or I'm retired, and you know, and we don't see opportunities. And that's one of the key things uh, for for believers that are successful in 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 life in 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 a secular world. People see opportunities. They seize and, them, and they they yeah. not only see them, but they seize them. 
Mm-hmm. And the the Bible says making the word to make the most of every opportunity. So I say, Lord, open our eyes to see the opportunities that we have to be a blessing and to extend your kingdom in the, yes. in this day. And some of those opportunities are not obvious at all. And as a matter of fact, this, one of the scariest things about God's greatness uh, and the opportunities he provides for us is that he doesn't do anything by coercion. He doesn't do anything by intimidation or by force. He doesn't put pressure on us to serve him. Um, he allows circumstances that I believe Satan is creating in our lives. He allows those circumstances to bring forth. He says, your backsliding, your own backsliding will bring you to repentance. The, the situation of the prodigal son in the, in the pig pen brought him to the revelation of brought him back to his, his senses. God allows these things. God isn't the one doing these things. He's allowing these things, but God does not force anybody to love him, serve him, or follow him. And that's what's scary because we are of the, we're inclined to believe that our leaders, uh, the gods, the pagan gods, whatever, they did things by coercion. They did things by intimidation. They forced people. They took away their freedoms to say no. God has not taken away your freedom to say no to him. God has not taken away your freedom to reject him. You know, and God does not force us. And this revival thing is not going to be something where God is just going to sweep in and, and, and mesmerize everybody, tickle our ears, give us this wonderful, wonderful revelation of his presence and feel the, the anointing and feel the whatever you want to feel. God is not that way. God never has done anything that way. The closest we ever get to anything like that is the upper room when the Holy Spirit descended on people and you had the wind and the fire and the tongues of fire and you had the people, but you had those people in there 10 days praying and hanging out and waiting. God, Jesus says, don't even leave Jerusalem. Don't even think about leaving the city until you get the Holy Spirit. So evidently they were, that was about the only scary thing that Jesus ever said, you better do this and just hang around until it gets done because you don't dare go out there because they will kill you. And he, he knew what he was talking about. And so that's probably the most demanding coercive thing God ever said. But you know what the thing is, if you and I can't choose by seeing his goodness, by the work of the Holy Spirit within us to draw us, to lay down the lies, lay down the foolishness, lay down your mindsets, lay down what you thought was the truth, just lay all that junk down and begin anew to allow God to speak in you through his word, through his spirit and follow him. Let that be the success the success that we're looking for here is a deliverance from the mm-hmm. mindsets, the bondages, the belief systems, the expectations of our own mind, the expectations of others to set that aside and say completely in 2018, Father God, here I am, thy will be done. That's what Isaiah said. Here I am, Lord, send me. And this is what revival is. It's a complete, uh, you know, undividing. It's a complete uh, coming into a full surrender to the Lord God and letting him take your life um, consecrated to him. That is really what success is. And that is when the revival is going to happen. When many people just say, you know what? I've had it with this world. This world is coming to an end. It isn't worth anything that I put into it really to seek or pursue its goals or its values. I am here to do the will of God. Thy will be done, thy kingdom come. This is where we come into another whole dimension of success. We're leaving the dimension of the temporary, the tangible, the, you know, I, the, you know, you can put this on a flow sheet or a spreadsheet. We're leaving that dimension and we're coming now into a dimension of heavenly um, power and reality, heavenly spiritual reality. Jesus came and defined success, redefine yeah. success. And what he's talking about is a new, in the midst of the kingdoms of this world, Jesus came and showed what success really means. And it was like, it was really just blow away. I mean, talk about revolutionary. Uh, he says, I'm going to read Matthew, Marjorie, uh, 16, 24 through 27 in the Amplified Bible. Okay. And Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to be my disciple, to be my follower, right? Let him deny himself, disregard, lose sight of, and forget himself in his own interests. Mm-hmm. And take up, take up his cross and follow me. Cleave steadfastly to me. Conform wholly to my example in living 
and if need be, in dying also. For whoever is bent on saving his temporal life, his comfort and security here shall lose it, eternal life. And whoever loses his life, his comfort and security here, for my sake, shall find it, that is, life everlasting. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his life? his blessed life in the kingdom of God? Or what will a man give in exchange for his blessed life in the kingdom of God? And in, New King, in the King James, it says, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Verse 27, for the Son of Man is going to come in the glory, majesty, and splendor of his Father with his angels, and then he will render account and reward every man in accordance with what he has done yes this is this is revolutionary he's saying don't you know we're saying you know uh affirm yourself and jesus is saying deny yourself Mm -hmm. that does not mean that we crawl off into a monetary monastery and eat stale bread and drink stale water or or just detach ourselves deny ourselves (laughs) where we're just um in some sort of self uh, flagellation mode Mm-hmm. But he's saying, but basically it's when you're entering in to this whole new dimension of living, we think of denying ourselves as, oh, I'm going to be deprived now. No, no. It, it's going to be, I'm going to be revived now. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to be, uh, my whole horizon of living is going to be expanded in what Jesus came to uh, declare and explain to us and exemplify which is the kingdom of God. Yes, and in John uh, chapter 12, he kind of expands on that process or that concept of seeking to save your life, losing your life. He says, um, he says he's talking about his own death in twelve twenty-three. But Jesus answered them saying, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be cru- glorified. He didn't say crucified. He said glorified. Mm-hmm. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. If this grain of wheat gives up its life, it will bring forth hundreds of grains of wheat. But it has to be willing to die, fall into the ground, be isolated, be alone, lose its life. This grain of wheat will never anymore exist as that individual grain of wheat. It will lose its life. It will be transformed. It will shoot forth a blade that blade will become a stem, a stalk a, 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 of, of wheat, a shaft of wheat. That will bring forth many, many seeds that will also then repeat the cycle of pieces. But, but if, it does, if it dies, it produces much grain. So this is success. He says, he who loves his life, again, as you mentioned, will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, now this is the reward, this is the goal, this is the success Um, let him follow me and where I am there my servant will be also if anyone serves me him my father will honor so what's higher success than to be honored by the most high God or to be in his place in his dwelling in his kingdom in heaven with Jesus How, how can there be any earthly success or castle or palace or kingdom or acclamations uh or that or anything that can compare to being with Jesus, where I am, there my servant will be also. And any, if anyone serves him, me, him, my father will honor. Um, so he's saying that this is the reward. In, in, I think in Peter says, or he says, well, what do we get? He says, and Jesus said to him, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And if you've done that, there will be uh, given up houses, lands, people will have all of that and much more in the kingdom of, God, of heaven. He says, uh, Matthew 19, um, Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, by the way, he is sitting there, but to us, we are not yet in the presence of that, uh, of his sitting on the throne. He is there. We are yet to meet him there, be drawn there. Um, he who sits on the throne of his glory, uh, you who f- have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Now we say, well, that's the disciples, that's the apostles. What's that got to do with me? Next verse. And everyone who has left houses or lands or, or, 
children for anything, given it up for my sake, given up the opportunity to be successful in this world. You give that up um, to lay down that option, that opportunity. So we have options. You don't have to serve God. You don't have to go the way of God. You don't have to be the grain of wheat that falls in the ground. You can be the grain of wheat that stays in the bag in the in the granary. You can do that. You can. God does not force us to give our life back to him. He gave you your life and he gave you the freedom to squander it uh, or to give it back to him. And if you give it back to him, it will be greatly multiplied. But that takes an act of faith. That takes an act of obedience. He says, um, and everyone who has left houses and lands people, families for my sake, for my shall receive a hundredfold and inherit everlasting life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. So he's saying, what is greater success than everlasting life? I know it's hard for us now at this point, this juncture in our temporal downtrodden propagandized world of indoctrinated unbelief and and the the God the 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 values of this world, I know it's really hard for us to see beyond that. That's why we need to to be successful. We need to get into the Word of God. We need to stay in the Word of God. And before you can really hook in, you know, you have to have an account in heaven. You have to have reservations in heaven before any of this. You have to have a connection in heaven before any of this uh, the stuff that we're doing down here can be sent up there. It's, and that is comes through the surrendering of our lives, our options, our opportunities, our energy, our, 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 our opportunity to be, to be successful, to surrender everything that we are to the one true God. And that really doesn't come through the ways of the world. That doesn't come through pressing and pushing and striving and, and, and shoving to get to the top of the mountain. It, it comes through humbling ourselves, dying, losing our life. This is the, this is, these are the, the steps to success, um, keeping his commandments, to love one another, to forgive, to let go of the offenses, to turn them over to God, to forgive, to know his word, to follow him. Um, this is the beginning of the first steps on that ladder to success, really surrendering to God, being saved, coming to that place of recognition where I can't do it myself, humbling ourselves and then beginning to follow him. And part of that following for us is to absolutely read his word daily. And if you're of a mind even to memorize it, you know, people who have swords and are frequently involved in battles sleep with their swords. They, they polish their swords. They, they, um, befriend their sword. They, they know where it is at all times. They know how to use it. And I think memorizing mm-hmm. the word of God is like befriending your sword. It's like you can be um, quick with a word um, because a- the enemy comes uh, against us. But Jesus used, it is written, it is written, it is written. Every time he fought the devil face to face, he used a verse or scripture from the Bible. I know, you know, Satan was using them too, but Jesus knew the true spirit and context of the words that he he knew what he knew and and he's he said it is written and and i believe this memorizing um you is is what is is part of what we talked about earlier about uh meditating on the word of god muttering it keeping it to yourself rehearsing it um and if you do that your mind is going to be stayed on him and if your mind is stayed on him he will keep us in perfect peace yeah i think it's isaiah 26 3 it mm-hmm. says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose, whose mind, mind is, is mm-hmm. stayed on thee, mm-hmm. King James, because he trusteth in thee. So that's a key to peace. Now, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, it's known as the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, this is, These are the operating principles of the kingdom of God right there. And so uh, you, you think of how revolutionary this is, really. Uh, he says, and just just the Beatitudes, for example, uh, he says, uh, blessed, uh, Matthew 5, 3 through, um, well, we'll see how far we get. <laughs> blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Poor in spirit, the yeah, humble are blessed. Yeah, we think yeah, yeah, the yeah. proud are the ones that are blessed. The, yeah, the bullies. Uh, blessed are those yeah. who mourn. What? It's blessed to mourn? Mm-hmm. We thought they were the, the happy and giddy and... And he said, well, blessed, is, blessed means favored. 
uh, spiritually favored, happy, mm-hmm. is where they shall become blessed are the meek. Whoa, the meek, the ones that are humble, that and are not downtrodden, to assert, kicked around. Mm-hmm. You know, they have their way. He says, they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who are hunger and thirst for righteousness. Well, the hunger and thirst, that means there's something lacking. He says, the ones that are lacking and longing, they're the ones that are blessed. They're going to get they what will they're be asking filled. for, yeah. Right, be blessed mm-hmm. are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. We show mercy on people that are, are obnoxious and so forth, right? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, not the peace takers, the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. And blessed are those that are persecuted for righteousness' sake. You think, well, men, I'm certainly not blessed. I'm being persecuted for righteousness' mm-hmm. sake. But he says, well, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's one of your most valuable And he says, blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my, my sake. sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. So, For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Mm-hmm. So this, this is... It's this, so this contrary. Is, this is the place of, of blessing. This is the place of a, a basically, there's a favorable, back to our definition of success, a favorable or satisfactory outcome or result for those that have those kind of attitudes and spirit. But, now, but now, we see this is the, these are the beatitudes. These are the principles on which the kingdom of God calls, defines success and, and, and moves forward. The people who are poor in spirit, the people who are humble, the people who have laid down their lives, the people who have not, mm-hmm. uh, you know, demanded their rights, so to speak. Uh, and on the other hand, there's always in second side of that coin of truth, they're, they're the people who are not afraid. They're the people who are not afraid to be humble. They're not afraid to let it look like what it looks like because they know that God knows the truth. They're, they're humble. I really believe humility is a lost um, art well, these days. People well, he- surrendering and trusting not in their own wits and their own ways, but surrendering to the goodness of God. Yeah, and that doesn't mean we become spiritual doormats. You know, right, right. Jesus was not a spiritual door. He was humble. He was meek. Because he could before, be humble because he knew who he was. He, he, knew, knew, he, he knew who yeah. he was, but the time came where he spoke with boldness. Yeah, for sure. He spoke with authority. He but says, it was also in humility that he was speaking because he knew... Yes. He knew the context. He knew the whole story. He knew everything. We don't always know everything. And so it's it's not good for us to assume that we know everything about everybody and then make our judgments. We can humble ourselves because we know that God is with us. And just because I'm humble doesn't mean I'm I'm less than. Right. And the thing is, too, a humble person really hears the word of God and knows when to speak it. And when not to. When, when to speak it, when not to speak it. Wisdom, and yes. The, and the wisdom, you know, and uh, all, but all these the characteristics of the kingdom of God. It's not something that we just strive for. It's something that we operate in In, as kingdom people because of the, you mentioned earlier, Marjorie, about the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that's working through us because humanly, we can't do this. Humanly, this is just a a goal to be attained, maybe we can work towards it, but we always come short. But it's short. not about working but towards spirit, something. Right, it's that not. We have. It's not. It's about abiding in Christ. Amen. It's about the Spirit of God. It's the. It's the basically what the fruit of the Spirit is. You know, love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, uh, faithfulness, meekness, self control, all that. All that. All that is the expression of the character of Jesus Christ in us the character coming. of God through uh, through our uh, through our lives through our minds through our words through our ears through our actions through the situations through the power mm-hmm. yeah in the midst of the situa- right. various situations through the power of the holy spirit well you know going back to blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted um, you know a lot of people don't consider their mourning as anything good they don't see anything good that can come out of the loss of a loved one, the loss of a mm. child, a husband, a wife. They, they're, they're, they're swallowed up in their grief. And yet Jesus said, that is so tender, that is so precious, that is so close to my heart. And your opportunities here for my comfort are deeply increased because um, you don't understand now, but you will understand when I reveal it to you. Blessed are those who mourn. So when you're in a place of sorrow, grief, loss, uh, when you've been unjustly accused, when you're being taken before the judge for something that is not something you did or unjustly accused, 
we are mourning. Blessed, they shall be comforted. Receive God's comfort, even in the midst of what's incredibly difficult, because it's these very difficult times. It's when the corn of wheat falls into the ground that the Lord reveals the life that is in that wheat that was there all along that could not come out without that very painful circumstance. When that wheat falls into the ground, it is lost. It cannot be found. It has to, uh, the, the life that was in it now gets to come forth. The wheat cannot save itself except to give itself. And this is kind of what mourning and stuff. It's like we are in the place where we're being um, released from ourselves and being brought up into another place of comfort with God. And what, when we were talking about, you know, the, the Beatitudes, blessed are the mm-hmm. poor in spirit, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted, etc. Uh, is interesting what the Amplified Bible, which brings out the various shades of meaning of the original language, and the word blessed there means happy, and ex- to be envied, and spiritually prosperous mm-hmm. with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless of their outward conditions are the poor in spirit, the humble, who rate themselves insignificant, for theirs is the kingdom of God. So it's it's being spiritually prosperous, happy, satisfaction in God's favor and salvation without uh, and, you know, regard, another, yeah. not overwhelmed by the circumstances, but satisfaction that comes in the Lord regardless of what's going on outwardly. In Hebrews chapter 3, it says in verse 1, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, this is actually the true goal of success. Consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him, who appointed him, as Moses was also faithful to him. And then he goes on to say um, that in, he says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit, verse 7 says, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness. What he's saying there is that to be a partaker of this heavenly calling, we have to be able to humble ourselves, hear his voice, and cast off that hardened heart. You know, a lot of us have hardened hearts and blind spots, tons and tons and tons of blind spots and hardness in our hearts. And I would dare you, as I'm going to dare myself this year, to say, God, okay, I'm ready. Show me my blind spots. Show me where my heart is hardened. Show me where I've been presumptuous assuming things. Show me where I've missed it. Today, he says, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Those people who are hear his voice, you know, if their heart is hardened, they will not respond. And in the wilderness, he was speaking to them and they didn't hear him. He says, for your fathers tested me and proved me and saw my works 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart and they have not known me, my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Then he goes on in verse 12. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God or hardness of heart or um, arrogance or blindness. Uh, But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is very deceitful. The the things that sin offers us, the the lusts of the flesh, the, the pride of life, the lust of the eyes, all of these things, uh, the distractions of our devices, the distractions of our entertainments, the distractions of our opiates, the distractions of our escapes, uh, the deceitfulness of sin. And we think, if I could just have that, if I could just have that, I'd be okay, I'd be okay for another second. And so we're, we're actually killing ourselves, trying to find ourselves. And he says, today, um, today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin, for we have become partakers of Christ if... If we hold fast the beginning of our confession steadfast to the end, how precious do you consider um, that possession of Christ, partakers, how you're, you're partaking with him in eternal life? How precious is that to us? Is that priority? Is that number one? Is that uh, as more precious than life to know that we are known by God and loved by God and a success even as we humble ourselves, even as we, um, because here's the problem. Um, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart as it, as in the rebellion. For whoever, having heard, they rebelled. And indeed, was it not those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? They saw the miracle. They saw the transformation. They saw the deliverance. They were part of it. They had, 
they received the the uh, the money, the rewards, the gold. They had the hopes had finally been realized. Now, with whom was he angry forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? They did not. They were not successful in realizing what had happened to them. They didn't see the bigger picture. They were all about escape and deliverance, but they were not about conquering and going into the the land of their inheritance. They were just glad they got out, and that wasn't enough to sustain them. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter into his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. There is, therefore, therefore, since a promise remains of entering into his rest, uh, let us fear, lest any of you seem to fall short of it. So really, the process of, of coming into the place of victory and peace and success is entering into a place of rest. Rest comes from casting out, casting away unbelief and the deceptiveness of sin. Rest comes when we believe what God says and, and consider as precious the promises of God, eternal life, time with him forever, glorify, be, you know, being honored by the Father. These are the kinds of things that you need to reconsider as you're prioritizing 2018. What are you looking to really accomplish? Thy will be done, O God. If it's thy will be done, O God, then really it's your will. Is If your will is with his and in agreement with his, then then it's already done. God's will will be done. When you and I vote with God, the will of God is done. Um, Satan may try to oppose. He might, may try to object. He may try to intervene. And, but if we are truly committed to heaven and the, and the success of the kingdom of God on earth, we will walk in a place of rest and in a place of success and victory. Quickly, there are some great qualities of success as defined by the word of God. Um, Hebrews eleven six. He says, without faith, it is mm-hmm. impossible to please God. That's what it is. Un- it's a lack of unbelief. But he God must faith. believe yeah. that he is, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Yeah. So faith is one of those necessary, trusting God no matter what. And then love. You know, faith works by love. By love. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said, a new commandment I give you in John 13, yeah. 34, and 35, that you love one another as I have loved you, as I have loved you that you also love one another. By all the, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. So faith and love and faithfulness too. Where there's faith and there's love, there'll be faithfulness. Matthew 25, you know, the parable of the talents, Jesus gave, you know, the, the story of the, the, the man, the master that gave one talent, two mm-hmm. talents, mm-hmm. and then five talents. And 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 they the faithfulness is investing mm-hmm. we we what you have not just keeping what you got for yourself mm-hmm. out, not, out of and, fear and but not, it's investing what you have uh, for the kingdom of God and that's not what comparing faithfulness yourself is. to something well how come I only got two talents and they got five talents it is you being faithful with whatever God has given you he who is faithful in that which is least will also be given more to deal with more to yes. be faithful over and so faith is really uh, demonstrated. Our faith is demonstrated through our obedience to the word and promises of God. That no matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, it doesn't matter because I am, I've declared, I believe God. I believe God keeps his promises and God is good and God is for me and yeah. I'm okay. Another thing, there's faith, love, faithfulness, and then there's service that all these blend together. And Jesus called to himself, he called them to himself in, in Mark 10, 42. He says, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. In other words, there's this this position. This is considered greatness, high position in, in society, in politics, in business, whatever. In verse 43, it says, yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not great because somebody serving me they're great because they're serving me right and whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all for even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many so and i think micah wraps it up pretty well in the old testament in chapter 6 verse 8 he says he has shown you O man what is good and what does the lord require of you 
but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your with the Lord your God. Um, so I believe that as we seek this year, I believe one of the things we can do in this desire for success is to ask God for several things. Ask him for whatever you want, wisdom, ask him for peace, ask him to show you your blind spots, ask him to show you your hardened heart, ask him to show you how you waste your time, ask him to show you how you can leverage your life more successfully and multiply the works of your, the effort of your, of your serving him, multiply in fruitfulness uh, and, and, you know, the ramifications of what you do will touch more lives in a positive and hopeful and helpful way. Well, it, you know, whenever our life ends, if it's this year or 20 years from now or 30 years from now, who knows? But Paul could say at the end of his life, he said, I've, in 2 Timothy 4, 7, and 8, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Mm-hmm. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Uh, a lot That's of what it. the Lord That's calls it. success does That's not appear to be... That's the crown of life. Right. That's it. A lot of what our Lord calls success does not appear to be successful in our own eyes or in the eyes of others. But we have to leave the final judgment. Paul said, I don't even judge myself. He says, I'm leaving the final judgment in the hands of the Lord, the righteous judge. And he will, mm-hmm. one day, he will reward the the, the success uh, according to his own word, according Father God, will, yes. according to his kingdom, principles. we pray a blessing this year, 2018, upon each one who's listened, those who will be listening, to the to receive the revelation of Jesus Christ for their specific life, exactly where they need to have the truth come in and uproot the lie, exactly where they need to know who they are and who you are, and the power of your word. May each one love your word. We pray a blessing and a hunger for the word of God upon your people, Father God. In Jesus' name, and Amen. protect us. Amen. Amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.